Today, we're watching Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. On the eve of peace between the Federation and the Klingon Empire, Kirk and McCoy are framed for the assassination of the Klingon High Chancellor. Now, Spock and the rest of the crew must find the real killers if there is to be any hope of avoiding all-out war. From December 6th, 1991, it's Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, or Parting is Such Sweet Sorrow. It is. It is indeed. I'm Cam. That's Dan. And we are the Meth Generation at the movies for the last time. For a while. <laughs> for... Qualifiers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was on the phone with Jason on my way here, mm -hmm. gave me a call, and he wanted me to tell you that he uh, fundamentally disagrees with you about everything. <laughs> and tell him, and that's I, fine, but until he can back his shit up, it don't matter to me none. <laughs> uh, I said, you're such a dick. He goes, yeah, but it's fun. <laughs> Don't debate with an adult who's intelligent unless you plan on losing. What? I mean, actual debate, not just screaming at people. Not just saying, I'm well, right, because I'm now, right. Now, now you've fallen victim to the straw man fallacy, Cameron. You've created this guy who just screams. That isn't really what we were talking about. <laughs> so I don't really trust you or feel safe to have real discourse here. I feel like it's just all going to be fallacies and name calling and then when someone says something you disagree with you're just gonna say i don't think you have anything to back that up with and then call me a red herring for some reason <laughs> yep you're absolutely right well we made it through the we almost made it through the original series this was fun bye everyone uh, bye <laughs> one of my favorite there was a, a reboot of scooby-doo in the 90s called a pup named scooby-doo oh, i remember de-aged all the characters my favorite addition to that cast was the character of rhett herring <laughs> the the kid that fred every single episode thought was the villain yep. <laughs> every single time he'd accuse him every goddamn time and as a child I just thought it was funny shtick, but then when I was about 13, I was like, Ooh, oh, red herring. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, that's, that was the great reboot, actually. I thoroughly enjoyed that one. And I enjoyed the movies, the Scooby-Doo movies. Especially Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. That movie is fucking good. Yeah. Which is Ghost is okay. Um, and some of those others that they did there in the, early 2000s but zombie island that one was a goddamn event and they spent some money on that animation it looked tight and they took move the characters forward a little bit and for once for the first time in scooby-doo history they allowed some real magic to exist there was no guy in a mask i know there they were real monsters and it made it something special that i remember very fondly absolutely
Not unlike the original series. <laughs> nice transition. But it is nice to think that magic is real. And that mm-hmm. three quarters of the aliens we meet will be incredibly superior godlike beings. Well, we got magic to do, Cameron. So <laughs> Just for you. Just for you. The starship Excelsior, now commanded by Captain Hikaru Sulu, is struck. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's struck by a massive fucking shockwave that was beautifully rendered. And it's discovered that Praxis, a Klingon moon, has been destroyed. The loss of Praxis and the destruction of the Klingon's homeworld's Klingon homeworld's ozone layer, no longer able to maintain the hostile footing, a visionary Klingon chancellor named Gorkin works with Captain Spock to sue for peace with their long-standing enemy, the United Federation of Planets. Accepting the proposal before the Klingons choose to revert to a more belligerent approach and die fighting, Starfleet sends the Enterprise A to meet the Klingon Chancellor Gorkon and escort him to negotiations on Earth. Captain Kirk, who suddenly gives a shit about his dead son David, opposes the negotiation, <laughs> resents the assignment, and says in a direct quote, Let them die. Story about that scene racist. later. Super <laughs> racist. Enterprise and Gorkin's battle cruiser rendezvous and continue toward Earth with the two command crews sharing a tense meal lubricated by Robulan ale aboard the Enterprise. Later that night, the Enterprise appears to fire two torpedoes at the Klingon ship, disabling its artificial gravity. During the confusion, two figures wearing Starfleet spacesuits beam aboard the Klingon ship and grievously wound the Chancellor, as well as many others before escaping. Kirk surrenders to avoid armed conflict and beams aboard the Klingon ship with Dr. McCoy in an attempt to save Gorkin's life. The Chancellor dies, and Gorkin's chief of staff, General Chang, arrests and tries Kirk and McCoy for the assassination. They are defended by Colonel Worf, Michael Dorn playing his next-generation character's own grandfather, against Chang's prosecution. Kirk's bigoted personal log entry is used against him, and after realizing they've been set up, the pair are found guilty and sentenced to life imprisonment on the frozen asteroid of Rorapente. Gorkin's daughter, Asitbur, becomes the new chancellor and continues diplomatic negotiations. For reasons of security, the conference is relocated to a new secret location. While several senior Starfleet officers want to rescue Kirk and McCoy, the Federation president refuses to risk a full-scale war. Azit Burr, likewise, refuses to invade the Federation space. Spock undertakes an investigation in Kirk's absence. They determine that the Enterprise did not fire the torpedoes, but that because the computer was tampered with, the assassins are still on board, and the crew begins a top-to-bottom search for them. Kirk and McCoy arrive at Ropente and are befriended by a shapeshifter named Martia, played beautiful by Aman, beautifully by Aman, and known for a lot of other things besides being Mrs. David Bowie. But still. Such as? She is an... This movie. <laughs> such as this movie. But she is an actress, model, <laughs> entrepreneur, and revolutionized makeup for people of color in the 90s. Oh. Very cool. Yeah. Anyway, offers them an escape route. In reality, it is a ruse to make them... <laughs> to make their arranged deaths appear accidental. Once her betrayal is revealed, Martia transforms into Kirk and fights him. <laughs> but is killed (laughs) by the prison guards to silence any witnesses. Kirk and McCoy are beamed to the Enterprise 
<laughs> just before the Scooby-Doo moment. <laughs> and Scotty finally finds the missing spacesuits covered in Klingon blood. Unfortunately, two, second later, two seconds later, the two assassins are found dead in the hallway. Kirk and Spock trick their accomplice into believing they are still alive. When the culprit arrives in sickbay to finish them off, Kirk and Spock discover that the killer is Spock's protege, Valeris. Samantha. What? (laughs) (laughs) She's such a Samantha. To discover the identity of the conspirators, Spock initiates a force mind meld and learns that the group of Federation, Klingon, and Romulan officers plotted to sabotage the peace talks. The torpedoes that struck Gorgon's cruiser came from Chang's prototype bird of prey that can fire torpedoes while cloaked. The Enterprise and Excelsior race to the location of the peace talks. Chang's cloaked bird of prey attacks and inflicts heavy damage on both ships. And at the suggestion of Ahura, Spock and McCoy modify a torpedo to hone hone in on the exhaust emissions of Chang's vessel. The torpedo impact reveals the Bird of Prey's location, and the Enterprise and Excelsior destroy her with a volley of torpedoes. Crew from both ships then beam to the conference and halt the attempt on the Federation president's life. Having saved the peace talks, the Enterprise is ordered back to Earth by Starfleet Command to be decommissioned. But, after some shtick from Spock, Kirk orders a course set for the second start of the right and straight on till morning. As the Enterprise cruises toward a nearby star, Kirk records in his log that though this mission is his final cruise of the Enterprise under his command, others will continue to boldly go where no one has gone before. And so ends Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, and our time with the original crew. Ah. <sighs> <laughs> Oh, it's overall a great movie. There are some moments where it's like woof, but you know. But it's still. But those woof moments remind <laughs> you that it's still the original series cast. You can take the crew out of the shtick, but you can't take the shtick out of the crew. Amen. It's uh, there, like just when you think we're gonna go full like the Great Escape prisoner of war moment and then kirk fights himself (laughs) because we have to get in one last 60s fight which again omitted my favorite the two-handed club but we did get a double chop and a grapple to the ground of course we did and a shoot him he's the real kirk (laughs) yes yes which you said had been missing from the movies I know. Well, I just I kept waiting for the, um, you know, some more of the the evil twin, you know. It's me. It's me. But yes, we had uh, we had a gay old romp, um, knowing about the William Shatner George Takei feud, kind of uh, makes them being on separate ships funny to me. <laughs> um, I'm like, well, this seems this seems like like something, uh, a very deliberate attempt to keep there from being onset problem. Um, <laughs> but also, if but, he had been there, we would have four captains and three commanders on a single ship. That's too much. <laughs> yeah, they have uh, they have achieved very high rank. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most overqualified bridge crew in the history of Starfleet. 
and yet nobody speaks Klingon. What the fuck? No one on that entire ship speaks the language. That's like in the Cold War, looking around on your submarine and going, does anyone here speak Russian? <laughs> I mean, it was an unintentional comic moment. Nichelle Nichols was pissed about it, actually. She was like, I am a xenolinguist. Why would I not and know I how to speak, speak Klingon? Klingon? Right? Their number one adversary. That seems like it would be covered at some point at the Academy. They know how to fucking scavenge to make bombs and guns that shoot diamonds. <laughs> That's taught at the Academy. But they missed the everyone missed the Klingon intensive. Come yep. on. Yep. Yep. No, Nichelle Nichols was pissed. And I mean, that is one of my moments about that I hate. Well, I love hate. Do you do you have uh, more trivia I, along the lines of her being pissed? I have lots of more, lots more trivia, Dan. But should we talk about what we loved first, or are we just gonna throw f- structure to the wind and say fuck it? It's our last time with this crew. Doesn't matter. <laughs> um, we can do whatever we want, man. It's our show. <laughs> Is it, Daniel? Cameron, tell me what you loved about this movie. <laughs> there is so much that I love. I mean, just the chemistry between this crew cannot be faked and cannot be replicated, and I love them all so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that there's still some subtle subtext between Uhura and Scotty. Nothing over the top, but just a little. They, like, stand together and stand close together, and it's just adorable, and I fucking love it. And there's a shit ton of slash factor, which we will talk about soon. But I also love the just straight on tackling of bigotry. I love all of the metaphors that they used for the Soviet Union, you know, because the wall had literally just fallen. Like, you know, a couple of weeks before this movie premiered. Yeah, I was really expecting the Klingon high chancellor's name to be like, Vekaborg, just Gorbachev backwards. Actually, you're gonna hate you're gonna hate this, but the Klingon Chancellor's name is a combination of Abraham Lincoln and Mikhail Gorbachev. Ah, oh, boo! <laughs> double boo! <laughs> what do you mean double boo? Where's the Lincoln come in? I don't. Ah, no, 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 no. Gorkin. Gorkin. Ah, oh, I know, but I mean, in, in his in his character, I don't see I, aside from well, I guess him being assassinated. That's his. That's his most Lincoln-like characteristic. <laughs> and well, while it wasn't at the theater, there was plenty of Shakespeare going on. He was so. like Lincoln because he was standing up against something, even though lots of his people didn't agree. If if you want if they want to you know go with that that's that's fine whatever I'm gonna um, all right I love the uh, Praxis Chernobyl metaphor and it's just I I love the whole thing um, it just sets up a beautiful future that they were already working with in the next generation and I think it works remarkably well. It does feel like a passing of the torch movie without without the next generation being there outside of um, Grandpa Wharf. <laughs> Old Pappy Wharf. <laughs> Old Pappy Wharf. 
my grandfather was in fact a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, th- thanks, Worf. No, nobody asked. And a but colonel. That's, that's 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 cool. I guess he was. What is he talking about? <laughs> he was Colonel Worf Esquire. <laughs> so is this? The, I, this is ninety one. So next gen is in like season four. Yep. Season okay. Um. Yeah. All right. What else? What else really tickled your fancy? I loved. <laughs> I mean, the it it's necessary to the plot, and it did seem way more believable than in the previous movies. But Kirk, you know, just lovingly putting a photo of David on his nightstand and being sad. Supposedly, where there was, was where was that for the last two movies? Well, supposedly okay. there was supposed to be a scene where it was revealed that Carol Marcus had died. And so that fresh grief along with David is what set him on his racist rampage. But of course they cut that. There was also supposed to be a scene where William Shatner, I mean, when William Shatner said, let them die, he immediately reacted with, oh shit, that was awful. I'm sorry. And then (laughs) Nicholas Meyer cut it out. And Shatner was like, please promise me that you're going to put that in there. Kirk's going to seem like such a terrible person. And he did not. And he was like, sure. Sure. Totally will. <laughs> Everything's yeah, fine. No. He was like, no, no. You have a great understanding of, uh, of how to make movies amazing. So I'm going to just listen to you, buddy. Not me, director of Wrath of Khan. I'm going to go with your instinct. TJ Hooker, and to Ra- sit down. Wrath of Khan and the Voyage Home. Mm-hmm. Now, did he? He didn't direct Voyage Home. He wrote it, though. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, because Nim- Nimoy, no, no, did he? He directed Voyage. No, Nimoy directed. Wait, who Voyage directed? Home. Vo- Nimoy did direct Voyage Home, but he, as a, but he wrote uh, it during the, yeah, during the Search for Spock apology tour. <laughs> <laughs> apology to her <laughs> shit right. um but my favorite moment in this whole movie was that the brilliant deduction needed to figure out how to take down the klingon cloak was done by our dear uhura finally <laughs> finally <laughs> especially after they hobbled her with an inability to speak klingon which was just annoying yes yes it was funny but annoying you know um equally funny and annoying things in this there's a lot of things in this that are like oh that's funny it's also really fucking annoying <laughs> but that's funny yep yeah that's kind of the last the last shtick <laughs> the undiscovered shtick <laughs> the undiscovered shtick we're going to rub these shticks together <laughs> until we get a shtick flame going <laughs> And it'll burn you. What did you love about it, Dan? I loved seeing um, the diplomatic side of the Federation and the militaristic side in conflict. Obviously, great allegory for the current times. But I liked seeing this crew that's been old since the first movie. Let's be honest. They have not been young in any of these films. But seeing them really grapple with their mortality and, you know, Kirk saying, have we outlived our usefulness? Are we too set in our ways? And that kind of self-awareness around an older person who's living in changing times 
is so admirable. It is. Like to to just take a second and go, maybe all the immigrants aren't coming to steal my job. Maybe, you know, they're not all rapists and murderers. Maybe we don't need a wall. Like maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe you shouldn't have put all that carpet over that hardwood, Karen. God damn it, Karen. (laughs) And yet you left the carpet in the bathroom. That's the one place you should never have carpet, but you have a carpeted bathroom. Fuck you, Karen. (laughs) Your house is a train wreck, and I hate your tacky gold chandelier. It doesn't class up the joint, and it just collects dust. Anyways, the Karen of it aside, um, I did enjoy that we had a mystery and some deduction even though it led to my most groany moment of all, which was uh, Spock quoting Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who's apparently his ancestor, to which I audibly went, oh, boo, boo. <laughs> oh, Daniel. No, that's dumb. I don't understand <laughs> your aesthetics at all. <laughs> I think my aesthetic is just... um, Not that. How's that? <laughs> It's pretty big. I I enjoy a lot of things, but I think, um, oh Kirk and Kirk is like claimed descendants from uh like a S- Civil War general and stuff, but not in like naming specific historical. I hate when people name his specific historical figures as ancestors in fiction, um, in as a way as as a shorthand to imbue them with the characteristics of that historical figure rather than just illustrating it like show me what they're like don't tell me they're descended from someone that we all know really well so that i will then as an audience infer more brilliance or great or bad qualities to them it's the same thing that pisses me off in outlander where the same actor who plays her husband in the future present timeline plays his great 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 grandfather or however many, who's the bad guy when she's back in time. I'm like, come on. Like, yeah, I, I, I get it. I understand why. I'm not saying it's an invalid storytelling technique. It just irritates me because it's, it's a shortcut for better demonstrating personal traits. <laughs> But you know what I mean. But Dan, Kirk and Spock just finished their family tree. Didn't you see it? <laughs> Didn't you see it in the quarters? <laughs> I I appreciate that, but much like what was clearly a painting that Kirk had done in an art class for seniors, <laughs> I don't need it displayed in Spock's chambers. Sure you do. <laughs> that that painting of the creation story i was like i i don't know where spock got that but i think he paid too much for it <laughs> um it was a couple of not, replicator credits it's fine we're we're not we're not talking about that though yeah the replicator credits thing um anyways mccoy's comment about real i'd pay real money to see that i was like so you do have a concept of money despite Star Trek Four. You do understand it, you stupid idiots. Um, I loved seeing McCoy try to be a real doctor. Um, although, again, no concept of Klingon anatomy was a little. I was like, he should at least like know where his heart is and stuff well, like that. I guess, I mean, but but why would he? It's not like you've ever had a chance to scan Klingons, and it's not like you share their medical doctrine. 
they've never had a Klingon prisoner before, though? No. Ever? No. In the history of that conflict, there was never a prisoner of war. You have seen it, Daniel Crary. You know that. No, 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 no. Because the neutral zone was established, and that was after hundreds of years of conflict. So in those hundreds of years, you're telling me there was never a single Klingon prisoner. Ever. Well, I mean, there probably was, but the Klingons are also very specific with their death rituals. So it's not like you could do an autopsy on one and then send it back because that would also be considered an act of war. They were already at war. Why would that matter? Another act of war in the middle of this war. That's like, I cannot believe that they fired upon us. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> that, that Okay, we're not talking about things that, that bug me. We're talking about things I love. Um, I liked seeing... Um, I thought uh, at first that... Uh, the Chancellor's daughter was in on it, but her not being was great. I liked Kurtwood Smith's makeup um, as the new as the new president of the Federation. He's the only orange president that I trust. Um, <laughs> right? He's so trustworthy. He's not Kirkwood he's Smithy at all. Um, uh, I I liked seeing. Uh, it looks like they fixed Kirk's chair. That looked much more comfortable mm-hmm. on the bridge. Uh, I enjoyed. Spock's mentorship relationship with the uh with Samantha with the Klingon. <laughs> I mean the the Vulcan Valaris. Samantha Valaris. Um I did look up a bunch of Samantha quotes to just to to, to pepper <laughs> to in. in. I liked it. I I liked when I liked when he was mind melding with her and he had to pull out the second hand to make sure he mind melded the fuck out of her to the point where I was like, oh shit, he's like mind torturing her a little bit. He's like he's like getting in there, rolling up his sleeves. Them speaking in unison, naming the co-conspirators. That was that was pretty cool. And like to see Spock legitimately get angry. He was like, "You have betrayed me and the Federation, but mostly me." <laughs> and I'm pissed. Smacks about the it. gun out of her hand. <laughs> right. I'm not human, but if I were, um, <laughs> there was a lot a lot of that stuff. Um, McCoy wasn't as on point in this one. He was a little, he was, he felt a little more sidelined. He didn't have any lines where I was like, ah, fuck yeah, McCoy. Um, he had one or two that were pretty good, but, um, I also, uh, enjoyed Chekhov saying, guess who's coming to dinner? Like they're <laughs> all just the setup for that whole dinner exchange, them all being hung over or still drunk at two thirty in the morning. Um, uh, finally, a warbird that can fire while clur- cloaked. That was... <laughs> well, clerked. <laughs> well, it was clerked. So the ship is clerked. Can we fire when ready? Fire when ready. Do not remove the clerk. Yep, yep. Uh, Christopher Plummer actually speaking Klingon. It was brief, but he did. I was like, he's not going to speak a word of fucking Klingon this whole movie, is he? He's like... That is beneath me. <laughs> Add more Shakespearean quotes. <laughs> but he did speak a little Klingon at the trial and, and on the ship. But I, I laughed when the Chancellor's daughter was having the conversation with all the other Klingons. And then he pipes up in English. I'm like, mm. <laughs> you're just going to you're just going to switch to Terran all of a sudden. OK, Um the trial was interesting. I liked their light spears and the 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 sparky gavel sphere. Um, sparky gavel spear. Sparky gavel spear. 
Um, uh. Yeah, sphere, sphere, not spear, sphere. Um, the penal colony was cool. You're a penal um, colony. You're a penal <laughs> colony. Her transformation was just stellar when she turned into Kirk. That was so dumb and so brilliant at the same time. I know. I was like, ah, 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 oh, ah, ah, And then she was vaporized. That's about how long that yep. was. Um, the whole penal colony stuff, like those sweeping vistas on the tundra. I was like, this is how you make a movie. Add more grandiose long shots. Frame it. Let it wash over me. I should be able to stop a motion picture at damn near any spot, and the frozen frame should look like a painting. If it if it's if it's weird symmetry, you've held the shot too long. Get out of that bitch. Um, I think uh, the whole search for the assassins was cool. I liked how methodical they were. People tearing apart the ship. That was a lot of fun. Um, and I I really enjoyed this movie, but I do have a lot of problems with it. There's a lot of little things that I'm where I'm like, why would you do that? So yeah, no, I understand. It's uh, it's showing its age. Um, <laughs> the nineties. The nineties. <laughs> well, and not just some aesthetic choice, but a couple of script things where I'm like. They didn't explain anything. They didn't explain anything. They just show up and are like, <laughs> Kirk gives a vague speech about togetherness, and then they just, everyone completely understands the situation and applauds. <laughs> I'm like, but they didn't, they didn't really, like, <laughs> y- y- he threw a guy out of a window, and now it's just, they're like, I, g- I guess we're clapping now? They all have phasers. I'm just going to clap. <laughs> I- <laughs> That's exactly and also, what happened. they didn't send down a single security person. They just sent down the oldest possible people on the ship. And we're like, you, you guys could all stop an assassin. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and despite, in the, last, in the last two movies, Chekhov has had a little redemption. Even though he didn't do anything in this movie. Didn't do shit. He, uh, he did make me laugh when he said... Uh, when he talked about the classic Russian fable of Cinderella. I was like, there it is. There it is. I was waiting. I was waiting for him to be like, this reminds me of when my country and your country negotiated after we won the Cold War. But he didn't do that, thank God, because that would have been, I would have been like, send him out the airlock. I'm done with you, Chekhov. I will not mourn you, Walter. I will not mourn you. That's not true. I will. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, you will. <laughs> See, it's the opposite for me. I thought Chekhov went down a couple knots to this movie because he, you know, just didn't know blatant things. It's like, oh, your age is showing. <laughs> huh? What? What's happening? What? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you God. can't vaporize on star on starship vessel because you get sense off alarm. Although I did love I was that like, scene. That's a that's that's a that's a new one. <laughs> that there was definitely all of their original series adventures. That was not a thing. <laughs> They're like, maybe we should like let people know if somebody goes, you know, insane with space madness. It just starts vaporizing people. <laughs> we should 
put in some sort of warning system. I did love when she vaporized the pot and the mashed potatoes were just still holding their I know, shape me with too. the spoon. <laughs> that was fun. Well, and then Scotty and her both coming in and said, "Who oh, the blood. Did you, did someone firing a phaser? <laughs> Absolutely. It's very effective. No, there, there's some brilliant movies and uh, moments, movies. There's some brilliant moments in this and some not so brilliant moments. But, you know, that's, that's Star Trek and that's most of pop culture. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, even Sherlock had season, season three or and four where it was just, well, season four especially. And I hold Sherlock up as like, this is how you make entertainment. But eh, the last season, it's like, <laughs> really starts to go downhill. It happens to the best of us. It happens, you know, it's lost syndrome. You don't, endings are hard. Endings, endings are, are hard. really hard. How many season, how many series finales, which is what this is. Let's, let's not pull our punches. This is the, ser- this is the true series finale because the regular one sucked. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you didn't want to switch consciousnesses? <laughs> With Kirk's vindictive ex. Yes. Although I would, I, I want to see William Shatner play a woman inside of his body one more time <laughs> before he retires. One more time. Maybe It'd be we a can very make that different show, but it'd still be called TJ Hooker. <laughs> Cameron. Yes, Dan. Trivi- trivia me. Trivia my face. My f- trivia all over this. Well, my favorite bit of trivia is that this is not Shatner and Plummer's first time working together. They both did lots of Shakespeare in Canada. And on one particular instance, they were invited to the Edinburgh Festival and Plummer came down with kidney stones and Shatner was his replacement. They were playing King Lear or it was Henry the fourth. I don't remember exactly, but uh, one of the big. I don't care what the role is. Uh, 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 A Christopher Plummer and a William Shatner are not equivalent exchange. No, in fact, um, (laughs) they've always, they'd always had a friendly rivalry. And so while he was in the hospital, Shatner blatantly did everything opposite of Christopher Plummer. Blatantly. Like, made every choice of his completely opposite. And <laughs> Plummer heard about it and said, that son of a bitch is going to be a star. I just know it. <laughs> Man, I don't know what it is about this guy, but his King Lear seems like he's holding it together really well. <laughs> he also, like, you know, had four hours notice of before going on. So... I guess again. Tell me there is footage somewhere where I can watch the Shatman Shakespeare. I wish. I wish. Uh, oh. There is there is an Oedipus movie, the Oedipus movie that was made where he's one of the chorus members, but you can't tell which one is him. Oh, damn. I was like, what? <laughs> I'm just imagining Bill tearing his eyes out. I have had enough of these. <laughs> oh, I always forget that he was... A brilliantly trained classical actor. I mean, I think it's that's. I think he forgets too. <laughs> I uh, I watched some very interesting documentaries about the making of this movie and the making of all of them actually, but specifically with Nicholas Meyer, our director, and he was talking about how um, the Shatman had some preconceived notions whenever he would do a scene, and so he would make excuses and just film it over and over and over again until Shatner got bored with himself, and then he would actually deliver, and those are the scenes that you see in the movie now. 
There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's 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 a smart direct. That's a director who knows how to handle actors because I'm sure there were a lot of choices. And I bet he learned on Wrath of Khan. I'm sure as shit that that shot when they open up the video link and Kirk does the turn over his shoulder and is like, oh, hello there. <laughs> I'm sure that was one where he was like, note to self, <laughs> multiple takes, wear him down. Uh, because his his first instinct is usually wrong. <laughs> it's just, you know, his first instinct is ham. <laughs> he uh, Salty, yeah, smoky, I... porky ham. <laughs> Anyway, the point of this story is that after Plummer passed said kidney stone and came back, he gave the performance of his career because of the friendly rivalry between the two of them. Nice. And I love that. I fucking love that. Um, love it. This, oh, there's just so much. There, like, just... <laughs> So many people wanted to be in this, and so many people were in this. Whoopi Goldberg wanted to be a Klingon princess, and Leonard Nimoy talked Nicholas Myers out of it because, you know, it would be too distracting. Um, Rene Abajonis was one of the co-conspirators, and you can see him a tiny bit in in some of the scenes, but he all of his scenes were cut, and he ended up... He's going on to play Odo in Deep Space Nine, this is the first time we actually get to hear Tiberius besides the animated series and the animated series wasn't canon when this was made. So, cause you know, they can't make up their mind <laughs> at all. This is, this is the danger of um, corporate ownership of intellectual property. Mm -hmm. It's just like how they were so friendly to fan fan films for so long and then paramount was like oh wait fuck you <laughs> yep you get a new it's it's just a rotating roster of people who are in charge of this thing and um assuming that disney continues to use their political gamesmanship to keep mickey mouse from becoming public domain um we can look forward to all of the things we love forever being controlled like this. Well, here's hoping. I mean, they didn't renew this year, so it's only a matter of time. Who knows? Who knows? What else, Cameron? What else is going to make me go, interesting? <laughs> well, I don't know, Dan. I don't know your aesthetics anymore. I don't know anything oh, about please. you. <laughs> oh, come on, Cameron. Come on. Okay, if while we're watching... The next generation, Picard says something like, well, you know, my great-great-grandfather was actually Ponce de Leon or was Magellan <laughs> or was, I don't, I don't fucking know, Jacques Cousteau. Yeah. Then I'm going to be livid because it's dumb. It's just dumb. It's like that's, that's just trying to build them up without doing the work. It's just dumb. That's not that's that's a pretty easy aesthetic to avoid. I'm I was just giving you shit, Daniel. I really don't care. <laughs> no, no. Now it's crossed a line. Now it's personal. Okay, so now you're choosing a hill to die on. Wonderful. No, no, no. Just as soon as I actually have something to back it up with, now you like don't want to talk about it. I see your red herring. <laughs> 
Oh God! <laughs> what else? What else is some good trivia We've here? We've done so many of these. <laughs> um, I know. I don't know if this will tickle you or not, and it's actually kind of sad, so it probably won't tickle you at all. Aww. But uh, Nicholas Meyer met with Gene Roddenberry and showed him a rough screening to fulfill his role as creative consultant, and they fought a lot and then Roddenberry died two wee days later and Meyer always deeply regretted how how he treat uh, I mean his behavior in the meeting but he doesn't regret the choices he made for the movie so I'm just wondering what those hills were <laughs> that they were choosing I, to I'm die just on I, I'm just wondering if that's what killed Roddenberry <laughs> no he was he was very sick he was on his way out oh poor guy I know but there was lots of talk about, you know, him being an idea guy and not so much right. the executioner of detail. I wonder how much of it had to do with uh, the portrayal of the Klingons. If uh, if Roddenberry was like, where are all the Fu Manchu mustaches? <laughs> I actually, I do know for a fact that he thought that they were just using them as stock villains and not really exploring their culture, which is a valid point. But at this point, had Next Generation done some of that work for us? Yes. Okay. So if I'm making a movie and it's in the same universe as a TV show that's doing a lot of that legwork, I wouldn't feel the need to explore it. I'd be like, that. that's what they're doing over there. Why do I? I mean, if I can, I don't need to take a deep dive into Klingon culture. Let them go to the TV show for that. That's fair. It's free. It's on CBS. <laughs> Turn on your goddamn TV, Bobby. Uh, Christian Slater framed his $750 paycheck for his walk-on part. Aww. And he was also wearing the trousers made for William Shatner in Wrath of Khan. And he quipped in an interview that it was an honor to get into Shatner's pants. Ha. <laughs> uh, when Frankie and Johnny was being filmed in 1991 at the same studio... They required Al Pacino to have a surprised expression on his face after opening a door. You you know which one, right? Mm -hmm. Well, Gary Marshall arranged for <laughs> Shatner and Nimoy in costume to be on the other side of that door. So that the reaction was absolutely genuine. <laughs> because how could you not be surprised? Right. I mean, I'm on the Enterprise. Hua. <laughs> uh, Praxis. The design for the destroyed moon has been used all types of places. They, It's like an inspiration slash concept for Stargate and for A New Hope, as well as Return of the Jedi. It, would, it became known as the Praxis Effect when you show a planet that's three, you know, destroyed, destroyed in that manner where it's... There's a portion of it left, but it's definitely no longer a planet. Gotcha. And I love that. Uh, William Shatner performed the stunt himself where he fell into the fire pit. <laughs> Good for him. Right? Uh, I don't think it was worth it. This is why my knees are shot. <laughs> uh, we got to see our final appearance of Rand, who has been all over the place. She is now a communications officer on the Excelsior. Yeah, although she was credited as just communications officer, which I was like, yeah, Excelsior communications officer. I was like, you can't say she's she's Rand? 
I mean, I'm glad she's not a yeoman anymore because that's a thankless job. But still, her uh, her character name should have been uh, should have been Rand. It should have. So, yeah. So there's that. It should have. Um, this is also the first time that we see the use of console extensions so that people could actually film them and so that they're not facing the back wall. Mm. You know, Spock and Uhura's stations both have little use so that it's actually functional and so they can turn forward. <laughs> that makes sense. Right? <laughs> right. Should have thought of that 25 years ago. Well, you know, they did the best they could at the time, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Also, uh, Valeris and Uhura both wear skirts, which are non-regulation at this time, hmm. but loved it. I thought it was just a nice callback to the original series. And Uhura can get it. Uh, yeah, she can. <laughs> Although I was a little disappointed she decided to dye her hair darker. I was like, the gray was coming in so nice and distinguished. I know. But I did love when she was sitting up on the railing and had her legs crossed. Um on the on the bridge and i was like you still got them dancer legs damn girl <laughs> yeah no killing it killing it um my other favorite bit before we move on is that you know how a lot there's a lot of background noise in most of these scenes mm -hmm. just all the time and especially on Rupente, there is just a subtle chant that can be heard uh to be or not to be in klingon cute right i like that Right. Right. Well, I guess I better slash you a question. <laughs> wow. Why to come back? Wow. Darling, are you all right? I need you. Badly. Oh. Oh. <laughs> all right. What's happened? In their relationship between the last movie and this movie. How do you think Kirk and Spock are doing? I think they're finally back to where they were. Yeah. Before he died. Cruising on in towards the retirement. Yep. That little cabin on Vulcan. Yep. <laughs> so do you think that him recommending Kirk for the uh, to help with this negotiation was... Like when uh, your partner signs you up for like a, a pottery class or or a couple's cooking class together, and it's like, come on, it'll be fun, it'll be good for you. You know, you need to expand your horizons. Maybe not be so fucking racist. <laughs> I think it might have been. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I think it probably there was probably, I mean, there was definitely some subtext there as far as. Spock wanting to improve his partner and not be so racist, but I think he also believed he was the best man for the job. Probably. He thinks he's the best man for just about any job. I know, I know. And who knows? Maybe there and was nothing not of the sort. Wrong. <laughs> yeah. Maybe there was nothing of the sort and Spock was like, I genuinely thought you would like this mission. I'm such <laughs> I a guess bad I don't even know you anymore. <laughs> I'm such a bad gift giver. <laughs> uh, and you got me this lovely painting that you made. <laughs> I will put it in my quarters. Our quarters. On the on the wall right there, right when you come in. Yes. <laughs> it's it reminds an me accurate that... depiction of the story. Oh. oh, that's so dark and twisty. What? If Kirk made that painting and it reminds him that all things must end. 
Oh, I don't like that at all. I kind of like it, though, that I think he, Kirk made it in an art therapy class <laughs> to deal with all of his drama. <laughs> it reminds me that all things must end, and I'm going to seriously outlive the love of my life because I have a much longer lifespan, and that's going to suck. That, that's going to suck. Right. It's going to suck so bad. <laughs> I did it to remind me that I should give a shit about my dead son. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. All this buried and repressed personal loss. And my twin brother. Feelings I don't inside. even remember his yeah. name. <laughs> it's been so long. We weren't close. And my unborn <laughs> baby on that racist planet. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, terrible. Neom- Just terrible. Neomani. <laughs> Neonopi. <laughs> uh, what was some other slash, slash that jumped out at you? Um, when Spock you know, reached over and lovingly touched his man's shoulder for two reasons. One, to say goodbye subtly, but also to make sure that he was protected. So, yeah, my question is, so then did he just put a patch on his uniform? Mm-hmm. Okay. you think they could detect that, but I let it slide. Didn't bother me too much. Um. I was really hoping, speaking of Slash, when Scotty mentioned right at the beginning that he just bought a boat, I was really hoping Uhura would chime in and either say what the boat's name was or bitch about how much he spent on it. <laughs> <laughs> to like further cement that they're together. To be like, um, yeah, he named it uh, the USS... I can't remember my parents. <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember my parents. Let us never forget that she could relearn how to do everything very quickly, but she still doesn't remember her parents. <laughs> well, uh, I guess she doesn't have to ask for permission then, does she? Nope, she doesn't. <laughs> I actually would like to think that because she didn't say anything, it was her idea. Oh, yeah, he needs another project. It's probably a junker. It's a piece of shit. But he's going to make her run like a motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) He puts a warp drive on a dinghy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you evaporated all of the water in the lake when you started this up. So um, we're going to throw you in prison because you're basically a domestic terrorist. Basically. Uh, also speaking of slash it took several shots of the excelsior bridge like it took until they got hit by the wave the second time for you to see a female officer so at first i was like is sulu on a ship with just all dudes (laughs) is this just a is this just a the the excelsior is just the boy cruise i was like it's just Sulu and a bunch of dudes hanging out, and I'm in charge. <laughs> and it's my crew. <laughs> it's my crew now. <laughs> uh, batten down the hatches. Put away your pina coladas and your swords. <laughs> We're under attack. <clears throat> Fire apart, then. Strip down. <laughs> oh, I forgot my other favorite piece of trivia. Damn it. I'm so bad at this. That's okay. Um, the, (laughs) during one of the scenes 
where Chang is being translated, if you look very carefully, it is Kor from the previous movie who is translating for him. So in canon, he was demoted from being captain for his behavior in Star Trek V and is now just a translator for General J. Aww. (laughs) But Chang matches his sensibilities. That's a good post for him. It's true. It's true. Chang Chang probably put in a request and was like, "Get me the insubordinate one who wants blood." Is he is he is he good with Terran? How how's his Vulcan? Is it is it is it good? Okay, good, okay. excellent, great, good to <laughs> also, know. Also, how's his depth perception? Because mine's kind of shitty. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I just wanted to see him run into a door frame or something. He goes, "Son of a bitch!" Make his grand exit out of the courtroom. Oh, God damn it. I could see fine until they bolted this plate on my face. The ending of this made me emotional, which is the only reason that the alternate title I gave this was Ernest. Um, because otherwise, I really wanted to retitle this The Hills Are Alive with the Sounds of Klingon. <laughs> I wish you would have. I know. But I told you, I told you one of your favorite people was going to be on this movie, and he does a brilliant job. Mm -hmm. I adore every choice that he makes. And he was, once again, a captain. He was a ship's captain. Yep, he was. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted him to pull out the little whistle and have each of his his Klingon officers step forward. (laughs) Korg! (laughs) Ecto! (laughs) Ricker! And I'm Brigitte. <laughs> and I'm Brigitte. <laughs> With his nose stuck in a book. <laughs> the sun has gone <laughs> to bed and so must Korg. <laughs> All uh, of the Klingons, goodbye. <laughs> That's how they should have left the dinner. <laughs> goodbye. And now my crew wishes to tell you good night (laughs) oh man yeah so what were some other slash standouts for you just i mean every time kirk and spock were together actually can i talk to you for a second your adopted daughter is trying to kill us all (laughs) and he believes him (laughs) of course Kirk's not a woman. He's supposed to be listened to the first time on Star Trek. God, Daniel. It's the original series, and that shit happened a lot. It did. It did. (laughs) 60s. Woo. It was a rough time. Right? (laughs) Oi. Oi, oi, oi. (laughs) Anytime her and Scotty were together... There was just little little sparks and little moments, and I loved that. And every time Kirk and Spock were together. And unfortunately, Chekhov and Sulu didn't get together because Sulu's off captaining his own ship now. But Sulu's not lonely. No, no, he's not. <laughs> he's got Rand and the boys. <laughs> Rand and the boys. The continuing adventures of, of Sulu. <laughs> Featuring Rand and the boys. <laughs> Yeah. Um Yeah. I I can can I write some can I write some Star Trek fiction that uh Yeoman Rand is related to Ayn Rand and she uh instead of saying don't look at my legs, she's like, Don't look at my money <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at my self interest. 
Don't look at my legs. They were paid for with my money. <laughs> and my self-interest. <laughs> but you can do whatever you want with your legs, as is your right. <laughs> Scott to bridge. We've got problems. Well, Cameron, I think uh, I think it's time we, we torpedo this bitch. Yeah, I think so too. What really what really chapped your ass? <laughs> I I have never liked that the Klingon blood is purple <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> it is the only time that it's purple, and they only did it to avoid an R rating. Otherwise Klingon blood is always reddish. I mean, there's a little bit of a tint to it, and they're actually trying to justify it in Discovery, and I can appreciate it, but it's like, god damn it, it looks like pudding. Um, it seems very 90s. It looks like something you'd get hit with on a on a Nickelodeon show when you got the question wrong. Oh my god, you're bleeding gack. <laughs> Jim, I don't know what to do with this <laughs> shit. Should I make a sculpture with it? I don't know what this is. It's so thick, it's like pudding. <laughs> Stop pissing pudding and help pissing me pudding. stop this Klingon from pissing pudding. <laughs> He's leaking, Jim. <laughs> like I'd say like a sieve, but more like a sludgy sewer pipe. <laughs> well, and I mean Oy. this is also you know, this is this movie is not really how phasers work either. It's <laughs> phasers can blow your arm off, apparently. Good to know. I there's they have a they just have a laser setting that's not disintegrate that's not stun that's just like it's not kill yeah it's just like i don't know propane torch or something <laughs> apparently just just shoot it's right like, through a body it's set, fine set it to plasma cutter <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh knocked his arm off it's fine oh wow i mean to be fair, when he was standing there without set arm testifying in court, it was great. It was powerful. <laughs> Although I was kind of hoping he'd have the little sleeve, you know, pinned over instead of just no arm. <laughs> it's just like clearly behind his back. Well, Klingons are used to losing appendages, so it's fine. Can he grow it back? Do they regenerate? No, they do not. <gasps> that's, so, that's so sad. I know. Um what else what else didn't you like? I <laughs> I hated <laughs> that we had the Kirk Kirk fight. And I love the Kirk fight, but I also hated it. It's just <clears throat> It's so bad. Ugh. It's so bad. And I mean, it's actually made better with the witty dialogue between chats, but Mm-hmm. But <laughs> it's, just... it's chat scat. <laughs> chat scat. <laughs> Blabba doo, blabba doo, ba 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 bo, shabba doo ba, habba dee ba do, habba ba, habba ba 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 ba. Yeah, but I just, I just can't. <laughs> and I, I mean, I love that they, that the conspirators are people that we've known and people that we've seen in this universe and in these movies. But I hate that they brought the Romulan in. That was unnecessary. Why and does that bother you so much? It just, I mean, I get it. I, that the Romulans view peace as less of an opportunity to make profit and less of an opportunity for, you know, if the Klingons and the Ro 
if the Klingons and the Federation aren't fighting, then they might come after us. But it's just, it seems cheap to me. They should have just had, they should have just had Klingon and Federation members. Um, That's more interesting too. It felt like it, it was an unnecessary addition. Like the fact that they already had a Vulcan co-conspirator was, was, neat you didn't need the i i love that it was two generals who somehow developed a back channel to talk to each other to be like listen i don't like you you don't like me hopefully we can kill each other in glorious combat but that can't happen unless glorious combat continues yep that's interesting that's fascinating but yeah the romulan was like well why why does he give a shit i don't care but yeah and i mentioned it earlier but i hate that they made Chekhov an idiot again he just <laughs> look down, look down before you tirade on and you parade forward. God, so dumb. Damn it. He's still, I, I think part of it's his actions, but part of it's his face. He just will always have like a little boy face. He just always is like super, super young and il face. So when he says something dumb or does something dumb, you just want to be like, oh, buddy. But he's pretty old at this point. So it's just, <laughs> it's just disconcerting. I just, you know, he was doing so well and it was just unnecessary. It was for cheap laughs. And I mean, I am all about cheap laughs. It's fine, but it. They should have given him one and not both. Mm-hmm. The, but phasers can't be fired, you know. Or it should have been switched. Valera should have said, and Chekhov should have, you know, it should have. Because she's, you know, partially a cadet and partially an officer for some reason. Mm-hmm. Her shirt and her strap don't match, which also pisses me off. <laughs> yeah, that bugged me too. <laughs> what? <laughs> I didn't. Well, the red is cadet and the white is bridge officer. And so I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they just ran out of turtlenecks in her size or what, but, uh, and then, well, to, to quote Samantha, um, if you want the light, you, the life, if you want the life, you have to look the part. (laughs) So she's, She's dressing up to look like the role she wants to have. Kim Cattrall designed her hair, actually, which I kind of loved. Did she? She did. Including the shaved sides. But back to Samantha. (laughs) (laughs) What did you hate, Dan? Oh, my God. Let me count the fucking ways. (laughs) No. Um, I really did not care for... The ending, um, when they show, when they, okay, when they deduce everything, fine. I've bitched plenty about the Spock-Sherlock stuff. Sure, Spock, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that just, I was like, boo, boo, boo. But they figure it out. They defeat the Warbird. Number one, no one at the peace conference is, like, monitoring the terrestrial bodies there's a battle happening outside of the single biggest peace conference ever and nobody has a clue no one's like oh a couple of ships just entered our orbit oh they're firing oh shit there seems to be a cloaked ship like nothing (laughs) no one acknowledges it nobody's like coming up to kurtwood smith being like sir a battle's taking place well we can't stop the conference dumbass (laughs) um there's there was none of that uh which 
So, okay, whatever. The Klingon assembles his gun and is ready to, to finish the job and really push everything towards all-out war. And so they send the geriatric brigade down to just tr- bust everything up. I was like, there's no... Th- like, you got two people who come later who are like uniform security officers, but the rest is just like, if you've been a part of this show since the 60s, come on down to the planet <laughs> for our victory lap. <laughs> and then Kirk's speech explains nothing of what's happened. He just lobbies for peace, and all the Klingons are, are looking at each other like, isn't that guy supposed to be in prison? <laughs> Nobody acknowledges like, okay, what the fuck are you doing here? Who's the guy who just got chucked out of the window? And why is there space debris of one of our ships? You want to explain some of that? No, it's just like, don't be racist old people. We can work together. (laughs) And they're all just like, yes, yes, fucking yes. (laughs) I knew this escaped convict had the right idea. (laughs) Well, and also, when the assassin falls out of the window, it's so nice that his gun lays neatly next to him, perfectly straight, you know, like. (laughs) Of course, right? I'm like what um although i do appreciate that scotty got to shoot him out the window it's true <laughs> that scotty was like yippee-ki-yay motherfucker <laughs> so that that thoroughly pissed me off that whole scene i was like this doesn't make any sense nothing that's happening here no one has raised a single objection or been like this is there's out of order and not following like command and then there's just nonsensical heroics where it's like, unless you've been following the crew the whole movie, you have no idea why they're there or what's happening. And you need some serious explaining to start happening, Lucy. Um, I also found uh, Kirk's time on the penal colony really interesting. But the fact that she kissed him, I was like, I thought you were past this as a character. I really thought that we were past having having Jim Kirk be Jim Kirk. But I did appreciate Bones commenting on it, going, what is it about <laughs> you? Yep. <laughs> that was the perfect response, because that's exactly how I felt. What I is it like, with you? <laughs> yeah, what is it with you? Like, seriously, it wanted to be like... I know for a fact you got about enough libido to fill a thimble, so you could just get. What are you trying to prove, Jim? It's just me here. I don't. I know you're a Spock. I've known for fifty years. I know you're not roommates. All right, you don't have to put on airs. You're gay as springtime, and it's fabulous, and I love you both. You don't have to. Did, what did you pay her? Did you give her ten bucks to kiss you so you could still look all butch in prison? Come on, man. <laughs> uh, that just irritated me. I was like, don't spoil what you have with Spock. I know he didn't kiss her. She kissed him, but it was just a dumb, dumb, dumb writing thing. Yep. Um, I liked having Sulu command a ship, um, but I think it was a missed opportunity. I think while Sulu's the likely candidate, we could have had Chekhov piloting the ship or captaining that other ship, and then we would have had to spend less time with him. <laughs> Um, uh, also the, the while the search was great that they tore apart the ship the repeated shots of them like looking at clothes in a pile and stuff like searching for the blood and then when they found the boots and the guy clearly had non-humanoid feet that would fit in the boots and all the little misdirects I'm like it's her 
it's the Vulcan. She's the only new character with a name. <laughs> it has to, like, otherwise it's a terrible reveal if it's like, hey, you remember these guys that are in the background of one shot? It was them. <laughs> like, I just wish there could have been either a frame attempt of another officer or or just another possible conclusion. Would have been nice. It's not a deal breaker. It just would have been nice. But the ending, the Spock is Sherlock stuff, and most of all, now Kirk gives a shit about David. <laughs> we have had we've had two other films for him to mourn or care or say a single fucking word about it. But it's now that he uh is in this position that he has to like handle his racism. Yep. And and they just need to be like, "Hey, remember when we killed that guy that nobody really cared about including his estranged father well now he cares so you should too <laughs> uh. also his his room looked much better uh when it had the giant ship steering wheel in it because mm-hmm. i'm a captain remember we're on a ship i'm a captain <laughs> but uh I think Kim Cattrall did a very nice job with what she was given, and I really enjoyed her and Spock's dynamic. But I've also grown tired of the shtick where a young new officer, especially a young new Vulcan, tells Kirk he's not following regulations, and everyone's like, oh boy, (laughs) she's new here. She doesn't know Kirk very well. I'm like, yeah, I get it. He goes rogue. Stop it. I would have it would have been much more interesting if she said breaking regulations. Fascinating. And then she hit the gas. That would be cool. And it would have been nice foreshadowing to be like she's she's a Vulcan, but maybe there's something else going on. I'm just tired of like young person tells Kirk what to do and Kirk goes, "Okay, buddy." <laughs> so that that was a little bit tired shtick at this point. But um the Shatner on Shatner action was the kind of thing that if that happened today, that would be the only gif I ever use in every situation while I'm texting. <laughs> would just be would be Shatner fighting himself. Because I feel like that on a daily basis, that I'm just fighting myself. Um That's that's all that's that was so bad, but so good. It was mm-hmm. so original series. It's like just when you think the films have moved into this bold new frontier, they go, we still got one foot out the door, folks. <laughs> We're still the show you know and love. Ah. <laughs> yeah. So I also good, hated that great. they once again put McCoy in a blizzard. It's like, knock it off. <laughs> I'm cold as shit out here. <laughs> I'm from Georgia. I don't know how to handle this. <laughs> but it's like, what, eight times now? He's been in a blizzard so much. Are you stick me in a blizzard one more time, I'm going to have to cut open a tauntaun to stay warm. Ah, <laughs> uh, But speaking of Gruff McCoy, we should probably quote this bitch. We probably should. You don't trust me, do you? I don't blame you. If there is to be a brave new world, our generation is going to have the hardest time living in it. You hear that, baby boomers? <laughs> you fucking hear that? <laughs> a little self-awareness. God Accurate. damn it. Also, that guy was the chancellor 
I mean, the uh, human representative on Star Trek V. Oh, really? Yeah. That's fun. I actually like him more as the Chancellor. To be or not to be, that is the question which preoccupies our people, Captain Kirk. We need breathing room. Earth. Hitler. 1938. I beg your pardon. Well, I see we have a long way to go. (laughs) (laughs) We need breathing room. Woof. Yeesh. Uh, One of my favorites. Spock, I want you to know... (laughs) You want to know something? Everybody's human. I find that remark insulting. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Scott, I understand that you're having difficulty with the warp drive. How much time do you require for repair? There's nothing wrong with the bloody thing. Mr. Scott, if we return to space dock, the assassins will likely find a way to dispose of their incriminating footwear, and we will never see the captain or Dr. McCoy alive again. Could be weeks, sir. (laughs) Thank you, Mr. Scott. (laughs) There's an old Vulcan proverb. Only Nixon could go to China. (laughs) (laughs) They're animals. Jim, there is an historic opportunity here. Don't believe them. Don't trust them. They're dying. Let them die. Uh, General Chang, I am constant as the Northern Star. I'd give real money to shut him up. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'd give real money if he'd shut up. Sorry. (laughs) Dr. McCoy, would you be so good as to tell me what your current medical status is? Well, aside from a touch of arthritis, I'd say pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) there's the one the one or two klingons laughing and the look on his face as he looks around and is like i'm even funny to klingons (laughs) not bad lettered not fucking bad Uh, if you stick if you make it to earth i'm doing a set of the apollo in three weeks (laughs) oh god i also love cry havoc and let the slip (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> let's slip the dogs let's of war. Dogs of war. <laughs> As he's spinning around in his chair. <laughs> I know. I'm like, ah, oh, he's a little unhinged, isn't he? And I oh. loved it. <laughs> I loved every second of it. <laughs> Cry havoc and let's slip the dogs of war. <laughs> oh God. Hmm. You have not experienced Shakespeare until you've read him in the original Klingon. Tach pach, tach be. I'm guessing that's to be or not to be. Yes. That they okay. Tach. I like that they. It's lowercase t a and then capital H. That's fun. Yeah. Tach. Tickle us, do we not laugh? Prick us, do we not bleed? Long, wrong us, shall we not revenge? Schlong us, shall we not? Schlong us, shall we not give in? Uh, I'm going to sleep this off. Please let me know if there's some other way we can screw up tonight. I'm going to find myself a pot of black coffee and keep on fucking partying! <laughs> 
I'm gonna go see what uh, what what people are getting up to. <laughs> <laughs> Holodeck, here I come. <laughs> mm-hmm. In space, all warriors are cold warriors. <laughs> After Kirk and Marty kiss passionately, what is it with you anyway? Mm-hmm. Still think we're finished now more than ever. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I did love when when he said uh when when Spock said to um Kim Cattrall sorry, Lieutenant v- Viserys Valeris. that Valeris Viserys Targaryen whatever. <laughs> um I loved when he said logic is the first step towards wisdom. Right? Yeah, that was really good. (laughs) But my absolute favorite was, Doctor, would you care to assist me in performing surgery on a photon torpedo? Fascinating. Fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) They're just, they're fun. They're the best. Mrs. Scott, I, sir, did you find the engine room? Right where I left it, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. <laughs> Where's that damn torpedo? It's ready, Jim. Lock and load. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm complicated. I'm Leonard fucking Bones McCoy. <laughs> Leonard. <laughs> Commander Leonard Bones Horatio McCoy, MD. Oh. Sexy. I like it. <laughs> In range? Not yet, sir. Come on, come on. She'll fly apart. Fly her apart, then. Yep. Sulu ain't got time for your bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't get many presidential assassins. <laughs> <laughs> but, of course, the, the most Shatner thing to ever happen. I can't believe I kissed you. Must have been your lifelong ambition. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. The best. And the worst. And the best. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, Cameron. I guess it's time to rate this puppy, Dan. Let's rate this puppy. How many... Sparky I knew it. <laughs> gavel spheres. Would you give it? You know, I'm gonna give it four sparky gavel spheres. It it was not without its flaws, but I had a great time. I You give out the number four more than the fantastic four. Well, that's because there's always they one of them on missing, everything. Dan. <laughs> Somebody's always captured. Yeah, right. I guess Spider Man's on the team now. I don't fucking care. <laughs> It just turns out that Reed Richards has like severe OCD and everything has to be in force. <laughs> could be. Could be. I could see it. But yeah, no, I I really did have a great time. I've always enjoyed this film and it's not without its flaws, but I it's it's a nice ending for this wonderful group of people. And I watch it often. I mm-hmm. watch this one a lot. So Yeah, I think um it was really fitting. My absolute favorite moment of the whole thing is when 
the end credits roll and their signatures are drawn across the screen. I know. Which I partially think was them saying, all right, we're done, but don't you want a signature when you see us at a con next year? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. This is how you know if it's genuine. Does it look like this? (laughs) Don't pay for cheap imitations. Get the real Kirk Con signature. (laughs) But... uh, I I I got I got a little verklempt. I got a little emotional when when I saw the the end there. So that bumped it up because I was pretty pissed about the ending. I was like, "That's just dumb. It's just dumb. That's <laughs> not how anything works." But second star to the right, straight on till morning. I'll give it three point seven five. Wow! Look at you. Can't wait to compile these numbers and see what you thought about right. the movies. Well. Join us next time, folks, when we summarize our thoughts on the first six Star Trek films. Six of these bad boys. As well as wrap up our time with the original cast. Don't start. Don't start. Don't start. (laughs) Well, everyone, we have loved it, hated it, quoted it, and rated it. And that just leaves one other thing for me to do. And that's to wish you all to have a great week. Everyone. Keep on trekking. Just another Samantha quote that I wish could have been spoken to her when when she was getting mind melded. Sweetheart, you can't go listening to every fucking little voice that runs through your head. You'll go nuts. (laughs) (sighs) Always look like you know where you're going, even if you don't. (laughs) That shows a masterpiece. Also, I, I really feel like her interactions with Spock and Spock talking about Jim and, and her interactions with Jim, I really feel like this other Samantha quote would have firmly encapsulated what she should have said to Spock. If you turn into one of those married assholes, I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish that would have happened. Thank you for doing this research into Sex in the City. Have you ever watched it? Oh, well, well, Cameron, I also feel like she should have said to, you know, she obviously had admiration for what Kirk and Spock have, but... Clearly, after seeing Kirk on the prison planet and getting some alien tail once again, um, this this quote also sums it up nicely. Practically all relationships I know are based on the foundation of lies and mutually accepted delusions. <laughs> <laughs> and this is this is uh, this is this is definitely the case with uh, Kirk and Spock. Also, I sincerely wish that. When it was two Kirks, they would have tried to kiss each other. Right? Gone on with that that joke. (laughs) Your greatest greatest triumph. That would have been fantastic. And uh, yeah, that would have been been pretty good. I have a whole, I got got like 25 Samantha quotes. Where the Romulan ale's going to come out, she should have said, I'll bring the cocktails. Did you ever watch Sex in the City? I've seen episodes. I have two older sisters. It's a great show. Also commenting on her outfit, I'm sure she she wanted it tailored just right because she said, I need something that'll make a guy come in his pants as soon as he sees me.
a Secret Weapon production.